It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Vikings have extended tight end TJ Hawkinson. Big, big news in Vikings country. Hey, this is Arif Hassan with uh, Wide Left. The Vikings have extended TJ Hawkinson. Big, big news in Vikings country. And I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. Big news in, in Vikings country. The Vikings rostered Najee Thompson. It's a victory lap Thursday for Luke Braun in that regard. That's next on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Welcome in a big Thursday on the Minnesota Football Party. Glad you've joined us today on YouTube, on Lockdown Sports Minnesota, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sam Ekstrom. You met Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings. You met Arif Hassan of the Wide Left Substack. We might have a Ron Johnson appearance later on of the Ron Johnson show. We might have a Luke Inman appearance. He's holding out for a new deal, um, just like TJ Hawkinson was, guys. Adam Schefter confirmed it, by the way. It was a hold-in the whole time. I told you that's my victory lap for the day. But we're going to talk extensive TJ Hawkinson contract news on today's show. We're, of course, going to circle back to the 53-man roster, talk about the roster construction and the moves that have been made since. Running back help, tackle help, and a practice squad has also been constructed. So much to talk about with uh, Luke Braun and Arif Hassan today on a program that is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get started today with America's number one sports book. Um, this broke about three hours ago, just seconds before the Kevin O'Connell Quasi Adolfo Mesa press conference. Uh, Vikings also announced the captains. That's definitely secondary, though, to the bigger news. TJ Hawkinson signs. Arif, you had the Tom Pelissero terms pulled up on this deal so why don't you just rattle it off let's get it out there and then we'll discuss it what is the money for tj hawkinson it is 66 million dollars over four years averaging some amount of money 17 point something 16 something i don't know 16 5 unless you count the extent uh, right incentives or 75 over five if you count this year Right. I don't, uh, I only want to count the new money. So it gives us an easier comparison to other tight ends because typically we don't, if we only count all the money, right, then we don't compare that to other tight ends. So 68.5 with incentives. Don't know what those incentives are. I imagine they are all pro incentives because he's already hit pro bowl incentives. That could be would be workout mean, bonuses too. Could be yeah, just could like be, 5 okay. Uh, that would be included, I think, in the 66 because reporters tend to report likely to be oh. earned bonuses as part of the thing. Um, I mean, that's just how the reporting tends to work out. So it, 68.5 over four in max value, that's 17.125 million uh, over the course of the four years, which would be the total, the highest total average per year if you counted all of the incentives and we did not count all of the incentives for any other tight end. Um, the cash flow is $32 million over two years. The real number is $48 million over three years. That's the number you have to pay the most attention to. The full guarantee is $29 million at signing. That includes $9 million on his rookie deal, which means a total guarantee of $42.5 million, which suggests to me that the fourth year of the deal is essentially funny money. It's completely unguaranteed. Really, really great fodder 
for restructuring and new signing bonuses and option bonuses. Really cool void stuff years, there. baby. And he signed through 2027, which is when I assume the void year is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like kind of a void year because it's a fake year. And honestly, yeah, right. what's the void difference? year asterisk? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So uh, at of note, this is the only tight end deal, a big money tight end deal signed in 2023 which means you cannot compare it to actually any other tight end deal. So <laughs> uh, at least not apples to apples, right? Not apples to apples. You have to make some adjustments. Yeah. We, we knew that this was going to be big. It was probably going to be top three. Um, if you're going on average annual, Darren Waller was the mark to beat at 17. And this comes just shy of that without the incentives, just over it with the incentives, but it's up there. It's top two in average annual value. Um, Arif, you had a tweet, though, suggesting that percentage of cap was only sixth highest, I believe. Explain that for us. Yeah, so um, because the cap increases every year, a fact that people just seem to ignore when they talk about player contracts, yet seem to acknowledge that this is the biggest you know, position deal in NFL history, um, is that because the cap increases... Uh, what cost it is to the team. And remember the cap increases because revenue increases. So the actual cost to the team is, is less than, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the most in the NFL or anything like that. Um, so the, the two deals that people want to compare things to are the Kelsey deal, which is about 14.25 million, something around that. And the Kittle deal with 15 million. Um, now those aren't the highest averages, um, but they're up there. They're in the top five, um, but they both signed their deals in 2020. Mark Andrews has a similar average. He signed his deal in 2021. So did Dallas Goddard. So the four of them, plus Darren Waller, were the top five in uh, tight end average annual value. We just didn't have a premier tight end sign a new deal between 2021 and 2023. And so the cap number went up. It goes about 6 7% every year, and nothing changed. So when those deals were signed in 2020, the cap was about 88% of what it is now. So if we adjust everything to 2023 terms in terms of percentage of cap and only look at active tight ends, Hawkinson's deal ranks sixth. The cost to the team relative to the cap environment that he's in ranks sixth. And I talked to a lot of people that suggest that Hawkinson is a top five-ish tight end. So that seems like a fair money deal. We knew that he was going to quote unquote reset the market, not necessarily because of the reporting that suggested he would, but because no new deal had been signed for two, three years. And so any good tight end was going to quote unquote reset mm-hmm. the market. Yeah. Practical guarantee number work. seems highest, uh, highest ever as well. 42. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Highest ever practical guarantee. Yeah. Again, that comes in the cap environment. So, so in some lenses, great for Hawkinson. And honestly, it, how is it not great when you sign for that yeah. much guaranteed money? I mean, it's it's a great deal for him, but also seems it seems like a really nice compromise, to be honest. Um, Luke Braun, you were going to say something. Yeah, it, it seems like that's just like what the market is for uh, a top-tier tight end. And I think TJ Hawkinson is a top-tier tight end. I did not call him that as NFC North rival cope. <laughs> like these, these market deals, the, these like second contract extensions, like the big extensions for players that are good, are really not as often determined by okay who is the best tight end. I think if you're looking at this because of all the almost stuff Arif never said, determined that almost never. Yeah. Like if you because of all the stuff Arif said, if you look at this 
uh, any extension and say, hmm, they paid TJ Hawkinson the most money. They must think he's the best tight end in the league. Then you're you got to look harder and try a baby little more. brain. Yeah, the the production (laughs) certainly did not does not measure up to a lot of those other guys he's in the same class with now. It doesn't measure up to to Waller. He did get like 900 yards last year. If if you look at the arbitrary, just arbitrarily, if you're looking at thousand yard seasons, he has none. All those other guys have multiple. Um, He did play for Detroit, but like you said, the Vikings (laughs) are playing. They're paying for inflation. They're paying for the increase in revenue in the league. That's why yeah. uh, he sure. is up there with guys that might slightly outclass him from a production standpoint. But yeah, I mean, gas costs a little in... bit more these days, Sam. You just gotta. Yeah. <laughs> Are you willing it. to admit now that <laughs> Schefter has Brandon for this? <laughs> I don't want to distract from this point. I want. I would. I would appreciate an apology. <laughs> And a confession now that Schefter has snarkily tweeted a couple times today about this. That he's the only one, by the way. Rossini has not suggested that it's a hold in. Tom Pelissero has maybe kind of implied inferred that it could be a hold in. Schefter's the only one that's called it a hold in. Also, Quasi was asked about it today and outright denied it, which I don't know how far that goes for you, but bears a mention. It goes, yeah, nowhere. It goes nowhere. That goes you really think GMs would go up on the podium and lie? I, that goes somewhere for me, right? If you asked him if Daniil Hunter was holding in, he would say, I wouldn't call it that. Quasi right? said yeah. he deferred <laughs> injury talk to Tyler and Kevin. He did. He basically wow, just like he asked What, is he a doctor? <laughs> All right. I'm going to get nowhere with okay. you guys. No, here, he did that with Andrew say. Booth, too. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> Here, here's what I'll point. say. I shouldn't have even brought it up. Um, well, you, you I, think I think it's you weird. You can score a W against the two of us, Sam? We are obstinate. <laughs> obstinate uh, and churlish. I need Inman. Where's Inman? I need I need help. I need support. Where's uh, Ron? Ron will what is the me. difference between Hawkinson holding in, but it has to be a secret, and Daniil Hunter holding in, but it doesn't have to be a secret? That's my question. That's why, question. Why are we lying about one, but not the other? Here's my guess, is they probably were just extra cautious about injuries that otherwise would have been ignored because he was in the middle of a thing. And that's, I guess that you could is, call yeah, that a hold in which technically, is, which is what I suggested on the last episode that like he will return to practice after the deal is signed, not because the injuries are not real, but because the risk is greater in a world where he doesn't have guaranteed money. The, the injuries, the, there may be an ounce of truth, but greatly the, I'm willing to say they were greatly exaggerated. That's as far as I will go down this road. I think I can meet you there. I don't know about greatly because it's, he, I mean, maybe they were exaggerated, but he like dressed for practice and didn't do anything. Yeah. He still did individual drills and they said if this were real, he would be playing. So I don't know how exaggerated it is. Convenient. Yeah. Like they, they did, they did not tell us that this was a catastrophic injury that suddenly he recovered. He's not Paul Pierce. Right. (laughs) Okay. So you're saying that you're saying Schefter is, is wrong and Schefter is lying. Yeah, and I've okay, lost a lot of respect always. for Schefter over the past couple of years. Well, Schefter, so I'm very well, Schefter has a lot. impugned yeah, his yes. honor maybe a couple times, but Mr. I don't know, Edward. guys. I don't know, guys. Um, so TJ Hawkinson signs. Uh, he is locked in. I think the, the ripple effect here is that. He's locked on. All right. Locked on. Locked on Sports <laughs> Minnesota. We should get him right. on the show. <laughs> I think this bodes not well for the future of KJ Osborne in Minnesota. KJ Osborne's future might be very bountiful on the free agent market. Hard to believe though, that it's going to be as a Viking. Um, 
agreed with that. Alexander Madison. I mean, again? yeah, Madison tested the market, didn't he? And then came back, or did he? Uh, right, I think of Bradbury. I, I don't think he tested tested the market outright. When did he sign? Let's right. find out. Yeah, I forgot. But sometimes that's what happens, or sometimes they go out and they Jarius write this and they get another big deal. It I makes sense. Osborne... Like, it doesn't make sense for the Vikings to like give him a contract extension for a second year now that they... It, like, I think drafting Addison was really the death knell there because even if they didn't extend Hawkinson, they were going to tag him, so he was going to be on the team after Osborne anyways. So I think that was kind of the, all right, Osborne, you're going to be here for one year, and then good luck on the free agent market. But yeah, I think he can do pretty well for himself, especially if he has another year like the last two he's had. And the tag oh, for wide so, receiver is like un, undoable, right? Yeah, probably not a good idea, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would, yeah. That would be a terrible idea. So yeah. he basically tested the market. So he signed right before actual free agency but after legal tampering the nfl is so stupid sometimes like the way we have to talk about these things legal tampering baby that is the equivalent of the nba and their draft day trades how they refuse to acknowledge (laughs) like the new team they make them wear the the fake hat yeah i love it why do these leagues do so it's so perfect for the nba which is all about petty drama Right, and the fact that they have to wear the fake hat because they don't trade picks, they draft the players and then trade the player. The, uh, <laughs> at least on draft day. The fact that they have to wear the cap of a team that everybody knows they're not going to is honestly, it turns it all the way back around to beautiful. Like, it's yeah. absurd, but now, now I'm in. Because if that player turns into, like, a Hall of Famer or something, you get the funniest picture. Oh, yeah. Of him oh on a gosh. team that he never played for. Yeah, like Ray Ray Allen, I think had a, um, wasn't it Wolves? Didn't Ray Allen get drafted by the Wolves? In Maybe. that situation, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about basketball. Yeah. Um. Do we? All I know is that have... Johnny Flynn got drafted by the Wolves. That's the Wolves drafting knowledge I have. Um. Kevin Love was, I believe, that was a trade with OJ Mayo, and I want to say the Grizzlies. Um. But anyway, this is not locked on the NBA. That's a much better show. Um. Do we have consensus? Hard agree. Hard oh, yeah. Do we have consensus amongst this three that this is a good deal? This is a good person to extend long-term? This is Quasi's first big deal. Did he give it to the right person? Uh, this is smart. Do we agree that this is a smart situation? Uh, I mean, yeah. until we see the structure, we can't know for sure. But on the surface, I think it looks like a pretty good deal. I think that $48 million in cash for Hawkinson over the first three years I think that's good for the player, generally speaking. I think that in terms of these averages, the impact that TJ Hawkinson has, the fact that you could very easily see him hitting 1,000 just because he hit like 900 last year, um, mm-hmm. that it's probably a good te- uh, deal for the team. Uh, again, the structure is going to help define a lot of things. If the if the cash is like loaded into like 2024, I've got some questions about what the team is doing, but it mm-hmm. right now it doesn't seem like a deal that that on the surface looks bad for either side. The one of the biggest impacts Hawkinson had when he got here last year was enabling the Vikings to push the ball down the field more. You can see Mm -hmm. it in like depth of target statistics and stuff. And if you look at the games where Jefferson, Justin Jefferson had the lowest stat totals, they almost perfectly inversely correlate to TJ Hawkinson. That was the offense. If you're going to double Jefferson, Mm -hmm. we're going to punish you with the tight end here. And they can continue to do that. Now they have Addison adding a new layer to that. Um, keeping Hawkinson in the building, I think was a must. I think it wouldn't have been worth a second round pick to get him for one year and a tag year. 
um, keeping him in the building, the opportunity to extend him. Now he is now locked into Minnesota until he is 30. He's a Viking. He's going to be, if he plays all that out, he's yeah. a Viking for longer than he was a lion. Um, that is, yeah, he's going what, into the hall as a Viking, obviously. Yeah. And he's not going to do the Brett Favre two jerseys thing. <laughs> I, I've got one of these related to TJ. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. You are so quick with these bumpers, man. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm looking at them the whole time. So it's not that this is not like a rocket ship in here with a Wait, million you, buttons. But what, I, what I'm saying is that like, you know how like radio DJs uh, will like hit you with the sound thing super fast in the middle of a sentence. And you're like, what? You're like that with like a four second bumper, right? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, oh, we're doing party files now. That's cool. Hey, let's talk about it. Sure. Do we all need one? <laughs> People need it to be fast paced in today's day and age, Reef. There's no, yeah. I mean, and we never animation. waste time yeah, on this show. We're going to repost. That's why it's so it's so fast paced. There's no lag. There's no dribble. There's no fat yeah. trim. People, <laughs> yeah, we never get off topic. Point. Yeah. There's no filler. <laughs> There's never Just a time like right when I now. can't get my statement out because people are trying to talk over it. Um, all right. Can we can we have like the ultimate oral history written about TJ Hawkinson's first week in Minnesota and then just let it can we let it go? That we're still asking questions about TJ's mythic first week as a Viking. How he learned the playbook so fast. It was great. I even talked about it once. I was so, so impressed. <laughs> And I, I, I stopped being that impressed quickly after I was like, okay, that was really cool. Like, let's put an end date, a statute of limitations on when we can be done talking about TJ Hawkinson's entrance into the building. You, you what is the date? As Probably week 10, 2022. Like, right. You're speaking as if this is like a shared experience in the discourse. And I just haven't seen people talk about it that much. The, the first day in camp, they talked to him about it, and it was in the context of like, now that you know the playbook, which is cool, uh, how much, how much, you know, more enabled can the offense be as a result of your presence? And he talked about it. People wrote stories. This is the last time I've seen anyone discuss it. So like, oh, no, you're it came clearly up. Sick it of came something. up today in the press conference. This is why oh, wow. I'm bringing it up. Again. Oh yeah, did, I didn't... didn't O'Connell say something about like, yeah, we're not worried that he's missing a lot of camp because of these, these injuries, because look, he missed camp last year. Wasn't that like the deal? He missed camp last year is a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he came in, he came in on a Wednesday. And he, With that, yeah. That's, a that's, that's a good context though. That it's a problem. Like that's a relevant time. point, but yeah, yeah, I don't think it's one we need to like hammer all day. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like it's been overplayed. Tired. It's been a little overplayed. Um, I like it. No, this is I like am when glad, people though. talk about like songs that they're sick of because you hear them all the time on the radio, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't listen to the radio. I, you're probably right. That song's. I'm <laughs> Sometimes sure I'll hear a song a like that for the first time, like months into its overplayed run, and everybody's like, God, I hate this song. I'm like, I don't know, kind of catchy. Yeah, I've heard yeah. it was like the second time I've really listened to it. Yeah, <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo knows how to go. Yeah. <laughs> This T Swift is something else. Real lyricist. <laughs> Tyler um, coming up, 53-man roster breakdown, the pros, the cons, the practice squads. That's after a word from FanDuel, FanDuel Sportsbook, and the new promotions going on there. It's America's number one sportsbook for a reason. People love it because they've got great promotions going on all the time, and that often includes free money. New customers, spend 
five, get 200 in your account in bonus bets. You can put on literally anything. So many ways to wager on football or outside of football. All customers. Also, you can bet five. Get $100 off the new NFL Sunday ticket. It's now on YouTube or YouTube TV. So bet five, get $100 off that new package. YouTube, YouTube TV, great promotion going on at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn or the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is so easy to use, so secure, a great user experience, and it gets greater when you get free money. So check it out today, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Thanks so much for watching today on the Locked On Podcast Network. Please comment below what you think of the TJ Hawkinson deal. That's on YouTube on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Please subscribe and find us free and available wherever you get your podcasts. That could also include the SXM, SiriusXM app. Search Locked On Sports Minnesota. All right, fellas, let's go back two days in time. 53-man roster came out since the Vikings have IR'd Kenny Wangwu. They have waived Jalen Rager. Signed Miles Gaskin, signed David Questenberry, uh, another tackle. Let's first get thoughts on but actually let's just get overall thoughts on the 53 construction as it stands now, beginning with Luke Braun. Some years it feels like it's hard to find 53 players that are worth keeping, and some years it's hard to figure out who to cut. And I feel like this year was the latter, which is nice. Um, I think there's there's a couple things I don't necessarily agree with, but it's all bottom roster churn stuff. That's not really going to have a huge impact on the season. Um, it's kind of funny. Like we do the 53 man roster thing. And then it's like, how many we got right? How many we got wrong? And then we just like, forget about it entirely. And now that eh, TJ Hawkinson's extended and, and it's time to start thinking about Tampa Bay. Uh, specifically what bottom of the roster stuff do you disagree with? Cause this is the time to do the, uh, the minutia. Yeah. So I guess, it, it, I mean, it's the Andre Carter thing. I, I think exposing to Luigi Luigi Volanda waivers, which he did make it through, so we got away with it. Um, but I thought that that was a bigger risk than exposing Andre Carter to waivers, because if anybody watched Andre Andre Carter's preseason tape, I'm not sure that he was at, at too much risk of getting poached. Uh, and I believe the way that it works is his contract with the the money he was guaranteed when they signed him would offset like his practice squad salary and would basically um, be he would be like a very highly paid practice squad person. I think that's the way it works. Either way, it's $300,000. It's, it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. He's, he's getting that out of the way. I thought that actually makes more sense, but like my initial thought was that he would get the normal practice squad salary in addition to $300,000 because that I thought was like maybe a signing bonus more than it was like a guarantee over salary. You could and be right. I, I don't know. I think it sure. is signing bonus money. Okay, if it's all if it's all signing bonus, it would be three hundred thousand dollars plus the two hundred thousand you would make extra. over eighteen weeks. Okay, um, but if it, if some of it is guaranteed in salary, that that salary is probably treated offset. with offsets. Yeah, yeah. which um, I've never thought either about way, offsets before, but that makes sense. Either way, they didn't feel comfortable exposing him to waivers. And hey, look, like they probably have a lot more insider information on that market than me. They might know like, oh man, Cincinnati really wants this guy. Like they might actually have a real line on that that, that I don't have. So I kind of just have to accept it. Um, uh, before you continue, I just want to push back on that specific one. It's just, I think that if he, so he has had the highest, uh, the highest uh, signing bonus in the history of UDFAs. Now we just talked right. about how- Because someone was bidding against them, right? Right, exactly. And yeah. and even if you adjust for cap, you know, the thing we just talked about Hawkinson, it's like the third or fourth highest. Um, and if you ignore Lyle Collins, it's like the second or third highest. Um, it's like Philadelphia Carson Strong was the only one that was higher. 
And yeah, I think that that means there was a market for it. And I think that teams are very willing to rely on their initial assessment of a player if they're a rookie and the preseason's not that good, uh, especially if they know that that player um, was hurt at the beginning of camp, right? Mm-hmm. So they would have an understanding that this player um, you know, would, uh, wouldn't necessarily be full go. And then final, before you go back again, Luke, I think part of the reason that he fell on the draft may have had to do with some confusion about service academies. And if that confusion is resolved, they may have considered him draftable. And if that's the case, there's no way he would have cleared waivers. And that's, that's speculation. I have no idea why he necessarily fell on the draft. Only having 11 bench reps is kind of concerning, right? But Right. Um, well, yeah, but, he's like, that's, that's the whole thing about him. He's right? always been in need of, right of a bulk up and a year in a training room with, with yeah. pro training. Yeah. yeah. That was always going to be the, yeah. The because, I mean, and again, that's a service Academy thing. There's only yep. so much size you can have to be at the Academy. It limits the yeah. football team. You have to get in a certain kind of shape and then in another kind of shape and then back in the first kind of shape. It's really hard. Yeah. So like, it's, it's not like a, the same kind of concern as a player that is trying, but like, I, I think that teams had a very high draft assessment of them and needed some clarity in some other areas for them. And that I think changes the equation a little bit. Yeah. Um, I also think Luigi Villain is better to roster, but I think they wanted to keep both and they thought that this was the highest probability of keeping both. And I think yeah, they were probably it's, right. it's interesting because I mean, there are fifth round picks that cleared waivers, right? So having a draftable grade doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get claimed That's onto true. someone's 53 over someone you just had a good enough preseason to make your team. Um, and, and with Villain too, like, I guess here's the thing. Andre Carter on the 53, if we experience a whole bunch of injuries at edge, we're going through Luigi Villan and Benton Whitley first because that's the way it worked on the depth chart in the preseason. Um, yeah. Which kind of tells you, like, are, like, how high are you on this guy? Um, either way, whatever. It's it's just a roster stash. It's, it's not the biggest deal in the world. But that was kind of the one that I didn't feel great about. I also thought that trading Vidarian low and getting a sixth as opposed to trading Oli Udo, saving more money and probably getting a less draft pick. Like I would have done the latter. Of course, again, I don't know what the market was. So maybe there weren't any takers or anything like and that. And Quest and Barry. But that feels, feels like the tackle that depth is a little bit. But I, I am not happy with the tackle depth. That's, I guess, the two negative takes I have. But otherwise, hey, man, Najee Thompson made the team. So um, that pretty let, much made my day. And I don't care what else happens for the rest of it. All right, let, let's, let's get into that. Let's give you the full... Victory lap. <laughs> 77,900 people have seen the clip that you posted from May 4th, 2023 <laughs> on this show. Um, for those, but I don't want to assume people have seen it or that if people are tuning in for the first time, thank you. Luke Braun is a psychic. This is what he said just after the draft, just after UDFAs were announced. I'm going way deeper than that. I'm going with an undrafted free agent. And I'm not going to do the the Ivan Pace thing. All right, that's you too obviously, easy. Yeah. Najee, Najee Thompson. Uh, the cornerback room, that back end of it is a little bit more open still. You have Murky. Byron Murphy. <laughs> yeah, Murky. Najee even. Thompson, that guy? Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You have to watch this on YouTube to get Sam's face. They're on the roster. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely disgusting. You asked for yes. a super, Sam. That this is the best thing I've ever this heard. This guy doesn't think so deep. Let, let, let me, yeah, let me, let me lay this out. Right? Come so on. You, you have, it was good. <laughs> Caleb Evans, Booth, Murphy, <laughs> Makai Blackman, Jay Ward. Those five probably locks, right? That's five corners. Out of, out of, the, three Williams? UDFA, out of the three UDFA corners, I got to know why it's this one. Have because you seen his a, testing? The other two made the practice. Because I talked to him. 
listen to Lockdown Vikings podcast next week. And because you, he takes you get why my reaction right? so much more seriously. <laughs> you realized I was you're going to be CB6, CB7. Yeah. You have to make it on special teams. And special teams is a pride of his. He's new to cornerback. He played wide receiver a bunch in college. He it, it's like barely a thing, but he takes it so seriously blocking kicks, playing special teams on on multiple units and being that kind of guy that that makes the team in that way. So that's the, that is my deep, deep, deep sleeper for the 53 man roster. And it's not like there's anybody, you know, after those first five, it's not like there's anybody on the, in that room that you're like, God, but we have to cut Jawan Williams. That's doable. I think for a guy that can be an is asset it, everywhere on special is that, teams. This is not they, a guy that's evidently would they cut, would they cut Jawan Williams? From scrimmage. Chris Boyd never made it from scrimmage. He made it because he was yeah. good at special teams. That's yeah, going to be where it's at. And, and Najee Thompson, he is so giddy <laughs> about special teams. You got to listen to the interview. It's going to go up next week. This teaches you to have courage in your convictions, Luke. Bravo. That is the lesson I learned because I Bravo. like the Bravo. majority of the stuff I got wrong was stuff that I thought like my pre-camp roster prediction was better than the one that was That's the day beautiful. before cutdown. I, I love that. I love that. Um well we Special know teams, that you're man. we know That's that you're is. a weak moral character, which is why you folded on your take. I also remember yep. this um when when Najee Thompson made that first tackle on punt. Um, I remember this conversation, but I didn't remember which player it was you were talking mm -hmm. about. And I was oh, like, yeah. was he hyping up CJ Colden? Man, <laughs> I hope so, because that means he was wrong. And it was actually Najee Thompson. That's the special team superstar. No, but you nailed it. Yeah. The um, precision, it's, too. It's, it it yeah. was, I think, because I, I looked at, like, there was a, that clip goes on for, like, four. We talked about it oh, for a while. And we I, talked about, I, like, RIS I also, and stuff. Yeah, I also And the fact that he's it, not, but, wasn't a wide receiver anymore. Only yeah. a corner for two years and wasn't particularly productive, wasn't particularly athletic. It's like, okay. But there is a reason they brought him in. Like, they know all that. Mm -hmm. So what's the missing piece here? And that was kind of what started see... the thought, train of thought. So I wanted to see um, how, because Sam said that I made fun of you for that take. And I don't recall doing that. And certainly I didn't do that in that clip, except when you plugged your own show, which I think is completely fair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, and I don't apologize. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it was, it was totally fair for you. I plug my thing all the time. Yeah. Uh, totally fair for you to plug it. Totally fair for me to roll my you pushed eyes. back harder sort of like later after that clip. But yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I watched it and I was like, Oh my God, this guy's, you know, like ran like a seven second 40. Holy crap. Yes. Um, but that was Which like about because he's got like tracks. Yeah, he just and... he just books it down there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, uh, is it like I a was, rainy pro day or something? Uh, that it could be it. I don't know. It's always tough. Poor footing. Like... He he runs. He looks freaking fast when he runs no, as a gun. Call Flash. Um, no. but we we can't. That's Colonel Patterson's nickname. There's Another gunner. Flashes. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> we can't confuse our gunners. But um, but yeah, I I thought like uh, it's it and and at the time I was thinking I didn't say it on the podcast. That that's actually a pretty good way to look at it. Um, because that's the reason they brought Dan Chisena in. That's the reason that you brought Marcus Sherrills in back in 2015. Although he wasn't really brought in, he was a camp tryout and then signed. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different. But, um, you know, that's the reason that he makes the roster. And so, uh, yeah, and, and I guess he was, someone mentioned, I didn't look this up to see if it was true, but someone mentioned that he was like a special team All-American, um, which uh, that would make sense, right? And you'd never have to spend a draft pick on a guy that's, you could be the best punt gunner in the nation. You're not getting drafted on just that. So, yeah, of he's course no he's going to be an undrafted guy. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and right. This, this is another <laughs> He's no Jake Moody. 
This is another win for PFF, too. And again, I'll, I'll plug Matthew Collar's upcoming book about pro oh, football yeah. focus. But big yeah. chapter about Quasi Adolfo Mensa, huge believer in it, uh, thinks PFF was instrumental in his career. I mean, you could not have quantified Najee Thompson until the last decade. And now you can look, and I talked about this on yesterday's show, but if you missed it, he is in the top 5% of all college football special teamers for the majority of his career. And there's like 2,000 guys that play 100 or more special team snaps, and he's in the top 5% routinely. Like that, that yeah, could your, never your have been. said for four consecutive years, he was in the top 5%, right? Yeah, like the top 70 great yeah. in grades of, which, of 2000 out of a yeah. 2000 man pool that is extremely extremely good um so and that again that's good work by the viking scouting staff to to eyeball that and to, to come up with that one yeah sam that, you mentioned that you wanted a story on how necessarily like the ins and outs which mm-hmm. um i personally i would pitch that to alec lewis that seems like the kind of story he would write um but the kind of, about the scouting process that you know got them to Najee Thompson because hey you can you can say I bet that they you know they were looking at you know PFF grades and and that helped them narrow down you know who Matt Daniels would look at and he looked over you know a hundred odd players and he's and he zeroed in on 50 of them and then he got the scouts to ask about all 50 of them and narrowed it down to you I bet that's what happened but hearing about it especially hearing like Matt Daniels because who doesn't want to hear Matt Daniels talk about his favorite special teamers, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like hearing that, I that would be an astounding story. I think it would be a better story than the ins and outs of the TJ Hawkinson signing, right? Like I, there I think is that something that would be cool. Um, what do you got? Kevin Fielder at, I think it was at Vikings Wire, wrote kind of that piece when the Vikings signed him like way back in May. And he, that dude's a total sicko and actually went and watched some of the tape. And was like, here's look awesome. at him on on special teams here at Georgia Southern. Like he somehow found Georgia Southern punt gunning tape, wow. and actually kind of did that breakdown. So I, I linked it to you in, to uh, in response to that tweet. Yeah. But I figured I'd mention it again. That's very cool. So and and this is this is his niche now. Like the fact that he gets rostered this year and doesn't get worse at this thing makes you think that he's got some security. Like if the Vikings sure. value it now, odds are they will value it next year too. If he remains the best unless, on the team, unless got to make the team every year, unless yeah. someone typos their text to Tom Pelissero again, in which case he'll be cut again. <laughs> oh my goodness, the drama around that too. <laughs> that, was, that was very man. funny. Well, especially because we had such a moment on the show about that specific yeah. player. For that to happen was just beautiful. What a roller coaster. Unbelievable. <laughs> Bronze depression in that moment. And I, so I saw someone screenshot the Pelissero tweet. Then I went to Pelissero's page and didn't find it. So he clearly oh, deleted yeah. it. And I, my antenna went up and I thought, oh, something's fishy hmm. here. And then it's we got. Because he responded to the tweet. So he must have responded to the tweet. And he's like, ah, my mistake. And then later deleted it, even though he had chained a tweet into it. Yeah. yeah. That kind of makes sense just to because people no, can find it like on their the for you page and do it. Yeah. yeah, that's that is funny to me. Um, let's get a word on Gaskin and Quessenberry. New running back and new tackle. Let's start with the running back. Uh Arif, give it a grade, one to ten. What do you think? If this is let's assume he's the RB two, one to ten. Uh eight. Uh, <laughs> You're a fan. I, I think it's a, a good signing. Um it's tough because it's like, what is an RB2 grade max out to Kareem Hunt with the Browns that first time? 
Um, and even then, I, you know, everyone was like, didn't you like kick a person? That's, I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yeah. So it's always like tough to like grade a backup signing, but I think that this is one of the better moves that they could have made. Uh, Kareem Hunt had lost some juice last year. Um, so they hosted him and maybe they had considered after hosting him that he hadn't actually recovered his physical capability he had the lowest number of touches in a Browns uniform last year ever. And I think that that was related to it. They wanted to bring in Dernis Johnson a little bit more. They really liked to run forward. And so having a uh, Kareem hunt, you know, available, I thought taught told us something. Whereas it feels like the dolphins got rid of Gaskin in part because they just drafted a running back, but also they anticipated being able to trade for Jonathan Taylor. This is a whole other thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, they just they just had and, they just couldn't roster all of them. Someone was yeah, yeah, so many, they had so many, yeah. Um, and and Gaskin was like the leading rusher for the Dolphins last year, and I thought he looked pretty good. He had some pretty good bursts. I don't think he's a starting quality back. That's not going to be his role. He's a pretty good pass catcher. He does have some capacity to return, which is going to be important because Wang Wu just hit IR. Um, and so they said Chandler will be the the fill in for now. Yeah, but it's good to have like yep. players. Definitely. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, having having all of that available to you is going to be good. So um, I like the signing a lot. I don't want to say that like an eight out of 10 means that they got like an incredible steal off of essentially <laughs> waivers. But I do think that this is maybe the best possible move at the position that they could have made. Price is certainly right at 1.2 million. Yeah. Um, and someone that is fulfills that pass catching, you know, passing game need that maybe you were looking for more consistently with Chandler. Bron, your thoughts? I, I with Gaskin, I'm like exceedingly neutral on this. Whatever. It's a guy in the in depth. Yeah. They wanted a veteran. That was very clear. They actually I guess they called Melvin Gordon too, which I certainly yeah, that's what I heard, for that. I'm I'm glad they went with Gaskin. Yeah, definitely uh glad they didn't end up there. But they, they wanted a veteran and it makes sense, right? They've got a, a lot of young bodies in in the running back room and they wanted somebody that can read things out properly, which Miles Gaskin can. Um the offense he learned in Miami, very similar to what the Vikings are gonna do uh in in their run game and so that hopefully will translate get him up to speed very quickly i don't know if he will be rb2 is that something that they've like said i, I thought that was going to be chandler anyways and he, just speculative and be the third. very oh, okay. well could be chandler um i guess maybe you know maybe like if he wasn't going to be rb2 do, do you think that they would have have invested in an rb3 yeah like yeah how much is did they invest I, I, I think I that it's just a waiver claim, right? Uh, it's is it a waiver or is it a one point two million dollar deal? Uh, I don't think it's well, a waiver. If, if it's, we, we saw the list of waiver claims in Minnesota. Did oh, not he wasn't it. on it. Yeah, okay, so it's waiver. like a like a min deal then. Yeah, basically. Do we even know? Okay, um, yeah, I don't think so it's a minimum better. deal. In which case, the cap hit is only eight hundred thousand, which makes it even better. But um, the well, I can look it up. But. Uh, the distinction between RB2 and RB3 in this kind of committee-ish system is not that important to me. Um, right. I would imagine. You just need a guy that knows what he's looking at, and he's that, yeah. so it works. Sure. Yep. Questenberry. Luke Braun, you expressed doubt about the tackle depth. I still have doubt about the tackle, tackle depth. I don't think he's very good. Uh, he's a very old player, which uh, like he was a 2013 draft pick. Of course, mm-hmm. I mean, he had quite a story to get here. So he yeah. doesn't have the same amount of wear and tear that you usually would have for a player. I, I don't know that this would like disqual. It's just a different kind of wear and tear. In a well, sense. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, he had uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and had to deal yeah. with that much earlier in his career, which is an awesome story. It was, it was a huge um, thing when he like came back to the Texans after um, yeah. it had been in remission. It was so cool, but like it was it was so cool. Uh, he's bounced around a couple of teams since then, most recently on the Bills, and yeah, with Bills, the Bills, Texans, yeah. Um, I flicked on a little bit of his, his last preseason game and I didn't like love what I saw. He plays really high. He punches really high. Um, I don't think he's getting in before Ole Udo. Uh, he's kind of just a body there, but like the Vikings have struggled so hard to find reasonable tackles over this whole preseason. I mean, how many have they signed and cut and then they're bringing in other guys on their practice squad. So I guess this is the guy that they could find. This is the most serious I, attempt though, at least more serious yeah. than Bobby Evans. Sure. And sure. Yeah, much more serious than Bobby Evans. But I also think that he's not on the roster on week five. And then Chris Reed comes back. Right. Like assuming he, Chris Reed's ready. Yeah. 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 So like, I, I think this is just a placeholder for Chris Reed. Obviously they play two different Makes positions, sense. but because Blake Brandell can play both tackle and guard, it's just kind of where that depth, where he moves, where that depth kind of flows. So that's my guess. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't even have much I, to react to it because I don't think he's going to be an 18 week player. No, I, I think what I would have, perf- what I wanted, and I don't know if this was available or even possible, and that sort of being in this position in in the first place is kind of the failure I'm perhaps more disappointed in. But I, I wanted a guy that was better That's than Oliudo, and they did have one on, on the roster, and they just flipped him first. They just round traded pick. him. Yeah. Um, I still don't know about that, man. Yeah. So it, it's. I think maybe I'm just. It's just sort of disappointment in that rolling over into another thing. Um, but this guy is not better than Oli Udo, uh, and that. Hmm. means yeah if, if he is a four you're five gonna have to player, convince that a lot of people the field. you're gonna have to I, convince a lot of people because a lot of people don't think Ole udo can play tackle despite the fact that the last time he played tackle for the vikings outside of the preseason he looked all right i, I know Man. he's young have we not learned that especially on offensive line that it can always get worse have we not do we not have object permanence did y'all not watch the last eight years of the vikings it can always get worse Hey man, Storm Norton's out there, man. He just got cut. Storm you can bring him Norton. in. Yeah, He's still kicking. I've been around. waiting LA for, for a Vikings yeah. uh, Chargers and AAF immaculate grid to use right. Storm Norton. I've been so oh, excited yes. to do that. I I can't. I'm I am surprised though that you think he's not better than Udo. Like if you look at Udo's one season trying to be a full time offensive lineman and Questenberry's one season he was playing trying guard. To be a full-time yeah, at guard, I'm not holding that guard. against him as much. The, the um, guy is Udo, like, okay, has so he's better arms. He can't play guard. Udo <laughs> plays with better posture. Yeah. That will carry him beyond all the holding penalties, all the other stuff. It's just going to mean he gets beat less than Questenberry. Pass protection might be an issue for Questenberry. Um, Tennessee had some That's schematic run game differences than Minnesota, but he was very, very good at run blocking that year, 2021. As a right, Udo is very strong. That helps a lot in run blocking. Um, he he holds very tightly yeah. on the opponent's jersey as they try to well, run by. Hey, that you're right, hey, but he does not let go. Being a strength-based tackle versus somebody who isn't, like, I, I don't love the way that Udo kick slides and stuff like that, but just the fact that he's big and strong and powerful, all of the other little finessey, nuancey things kind of go out the window a little they bit. They kind of wash over. Yeah, well, it's kind of like... Push a guy. It's kind of like, oh, arm strength can overcome, like mechanical deficiencies to an extent in a quarterback it gives you a better margin for error on some of the technical stuff right um i get it uh and i i do want to add grip strength is a really important feature for tackles it's just kind of knowing when to let go which is i think a lesson we can all learn keep it inside Um, the frame you'll be fine yeah 
Um, but yeah, I think that even though we saw the preseason struggles for Udo at tackle, right? I mean, he just did not play well this preseason. I also, I still think that Brandel is likely the first guy to go up. Um, I do think that we are overly concerned about Udo just because we have an understanding of who he is as a player based on a season where he played guard and he was only playing guard um, because A, the Vikings just underinvested there, but B, Mike Zimmer remembered the story of Mike Harris moving from tackle to guard. And Mike Harris was awesome at guard before the brain thing, which sucks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, it's, it, there's like a, he should never have been a guard. There was a minute where the Vikings were actually camp. hitting on some guards, some interior line decisions, and they got overly confident that they didn't have to invest. They're like, oh, let's just swing oh, Joe yeah. Berger in here. Mike Harris, come on down. John Sullivan was here for a while. This is great. We can do this. Hey, Brandon Fusco had a killer 2013. Brandon too. Fusco, pre-Zimmer, <laughs> so, was very good. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, pre-multiple pectoral tears. Let's come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what opened the door for Mike Harris, right? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and he had originally signed as a tackle. He wasn't that good of a tackle, I believe, also in San Diego. Um, but, you know, Mike Zimmer was like, yeah, he had long arms too, which is not really comparable, right? Like he had kind of long arms for a guard. Ulu Udo has long arms for any kind of football player, period. Like they are different categories of long arm, which uh, for people who are unfamiliar, because of how quickly stuff moves on the interior of the offensive line, you need to get your arms up really quickly in position. Um, the longer arms that are usually a benefit to tackles can become a detriment at guard. And we've seen this for right tackles who have been uh, drafted as right tackles because of their size. When they move inside, they're sluggish at getting first contact, which is really important to establishing um, that first initial couple of or first initial couple of microseconds of offensive line play, and so long arms can be a detriment if you don't move them um, quickly enough. Who's the guy? DJ Fluker, I think, is a really great example of mm -hmm. that. He's not a great tackle, but he's a much worse guard. Uh, and uh, and was part the of that is, thing, right? Yeah, I, I think actually Remmers is kind of similar. His, his arm length isn't nearly as much, but I think that's a similar thing. Uh, Remmers just has better natural timing at tackle and better natural timing specifically at right tackle um, where it's, I don't know, the Remmers thing was just a mess. I think his agent was kind of right that Remmers kind of got screwed but oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> over the course of his career. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that's why I bring that up and why there is a distinct difference between uh, Udo at guard and Udo at tackle. This is the part of the show everybody stayed around for. Practice squad constructed all 16 have been signed. And is there a training camp darling that wasn't brought onto the practice squad? Probably a good reminder Wilson that... Wilson Huber. Just, yes. <laughs> just because we think these guys are like showing off in practice and looking really good and they might get poached, they're probably not going to get poached. Um, Jawan Williams, as a, as a veteran, gets on. Sheldon Day, yeah. as a veteran, gets on. Luigi Villain. Lucky Noah Jackson, Tomo. Thayer Thomas. Says he yeah. did not. Um, yeah. He's a Jaguars practice squatter now. Yep. Okay. I and and that I don't mourn that to be honest with you. Um, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think that that de that defensive like all the guys that were tied as sort of middling rotational defensive linemen, they just cut all of them. It seemed like pretty much. Yeah. Um, Who did I miss? McBride made it on. He stays in the organization. Tristan Jackson. And then the corners that and Lucky I, Jackson, 
Lucky Jackson, a little more Which, of a surprise. That one, that one surprised me a little bit. I like Thayer Thomas. I, I saw coming. Um, I think we all saw Tristan Jackson coming. Um, but the Lucky Jackson no one is, is interesting. No Blake of those Prohl. of those yeah. four, like Lucky Jackson, Tristan Jackson, Blake Pearl, Thayer Thomas. Those guys were the ones playing the most in the like preseason with the twos, yeah. and it mm-hmm. kind of became a who gets last place situation. And I guess with all the drops, that's Pearl. Yeah. Um, Plus the, the injury concerns, you know. Well, and, and, Williams. and he's yep. got like another career as a uh, yeah he'll be fine too, right yeah he's, he's yeah good. as a singer he's got a yeah golden voice perfect if i had a nitpick with the roster construction i do worry about corner now i think it gets mitigated by having the ability <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a big take. issue it is a big Hot issue that's real alert. yeah <laughs> yeah having Jawan available as an elevation might make you feel a tad better having these big nickel looks that are so trendy with this team might make you feel a little better that you won't be always using even three corners on the field at once. Um, but when your fifth corner is Najee, who is not a defensive player, your fourth corner is vulnerable every single play to get injured. That worries me. Does it worry you guys? Yeah, I think the the overall quality of those players worries me honestly a little bit more that mm-hmm. we're one injury away from starting Andrew Booth, who is not ready to be a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I mean, yeah, that's that's why Joe Juan Williams is there. If you do get an injury to say Mackay Blackman, you need someone else to play nickel. Hey, you can put Jay Ward there. Um, you know, he still can kind of count as a de facto other corner if you want. But I could see. Uh, I, I, I don't think that this group of five nominal cornerbacks is going to be the way it stays all season. Fair enough. Um, thought we might see a waiver claim, and we did not. There's not a lot of good corners that are floating out there. If you're decent, you're probably not getting cut, to be honest. And that's why Juwan Williams getting back to the practice squad does have value. Um, just, you know. A, a little a little more reliable than someone like Jalen Williams, for instance, if they needed to call up in a pinch. The yeah, book is all I, I do want to say Jalen Williams did all right in that first preseason game. It interception. was interception. Everything else that was a concern, which I mean, when you're undrafted he practice squad just guy, too that's volatile. fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I just want to add on the practice squad stuff. I did like to see Alan Ali there. That was kind of my pick among the offensive linemen to add. Um yep. Hakeem Adenogy is interesting, you know, whatever. Um but I, I love that both TJ Smith and Shelton Day are there. I thought that that was that's fantastic to be able to retain them because I think again, adjusting our expectations for the quality of practice squad players, it's fantastic to retain them. Um, those could be guys them. that get elevations for like a specific matchup because they're yeah. like, oh, we just really like how Sheldon Day works against that particular right guard. Yeah, um, or like a very Belichicky move. Yeah, this is a team that cannot run inside zone. They can only run outside zone. So we're calling up TJ Smith. So we got multiple nose tackles to be able mm-hmm. to, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. And Nick I, Vigil, old friend. Yeah. Old friend, Nick Vigil. Yeah. So yeah, which yeah, I think is important because uh, yeah. for, I agree. Uh, and also, team, yeah, for sure. uh, also like four linebackers, even in a system like this, that's going to have fewer linebacker snaps than even most nickel systems do. I four is just always tough. Right, because you're always like one away from being in panic mode. So having Nick Vigil is nice. Uh, last thing, the book is closed on the Jalen Rager Ross Blacklock trades, both waived. Um, Quasi defended this today at the press conference and said, "Hey, it's all part of a portfolio. We're gonna we're gonna miss, we're gonna whiff, we're gonna hit. We look at the full body of work, but we're gonna take risks. 
as an organization. Um, so with that said, would you want to see more swings like that taken on guys that don't have it for a couple of years with their organization, but might have, have had high draft qualities? Uh, how do you feel about that, Arif? Yeah, sure. I don't have much to add to that. Yeah, take shots. Okay. Yeah. Pro darts. It's fine. Could have been a guy that is your punt returner for two or three years that could be worth uh, a little bit of day three capital. Ross Blacklock could have been something more. Um, you're paying for a range of outcomes, not just the outcome you got. So Yeah, yeah which is how Quazy always making. talks about it. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that like, a bad outcome isn't a bad outcome. Like, yeah, all right. Th- those didn't probably didn't give you the ROI you were looking for, but I don't think that that should ne- necessitate a, uh, a change in strategy. Yeah. It's the, interesting. The, the thing, the thing is just like how often does say a sixth round pick help you out? Compare that to the range of outcomes for, you know, right. How long does, know. how often does that guy make the team mostly contribute on special teams for one year, then get cut year two. That's essentially what it happened here. It's yeah. a very realistic way to look at at what draft picks represent because I think on one hand you could say if you're bringing in guys that have been washouts for 2 years the ceiling is severely limited and why not use that pick to find someone that could in the 1% chance be a star um but the more realistic numbers based way to look at it might be can we get like a role player for 2 years out of this deal. And maybe that's even more than the average sixth round pick. Yeah. If you get um, a role I, player for two years out of a sixth round pick, I think you're doing okay. There. It's not oh, an adventurous great. way to look um, at it, but it might be better. Uh, sixth round picks, their rookie year make the roster about like 35%. Of, it's way less than people think. Yeah. Um, you're not, so you're not getting uh, a, a Stefan Diggs every day. I think people expect like, Oh, we're taking a swing at a starter with like every single, AJ like, no, Osborne. these guys are depth in special teams and practice squatters. Right. They, they fill and, out the roster. That's why there's, and more you get, them. you get more Stacy Coley's than you get Stefan Diggs, right? Yeah, like that's exactly. just what happens. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that that's fine. I think that at some point, obviously you have to evaluate picks are also very useful when you're attempting to do things like trade up or tr- move around in the draft. So it has a little bit more, but I think that overall, that's a fine strategy. And this is emblematic of what Adolfo Menta has been doing throughout. He has been buying low on players. There are players that have washed out at other organizations that have turned into really solid players for the second or third organization. This could have been one of those examples. That's fine, right? To, Harry's to Tonga. Yeah, like it's exactly right. Um, it, it's it's fine to attempt to do those kinds of things um, because you could end up probably not a Chris Carter, but I mean, that's what happened, right? So like, you know, it's it, it's fine to like say, hey, you could have gotten a star in the sixth round. You can get a star, like Jalen Rager had star potential. That's why he was drafted in the first round. You know, that's why you go after players like Zadarius Smith coming off of a bad year with the Packers. It's why you come after, uh, you know, Marcus Davenport coming off of a bad year with the Saints. That's even why you go after Byron Murphy. He's coming off of an injured season with the Cardinals, right? Like if we say, hey, you should you should buy low on players. You can't just turn around and praise the only the ones that worked out and and get mad at the ones that don't work out unless you knew beforehand which ones were and weren't. In which case, uh, you should have this job. That's crazy that you know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the easiest way to look smart without actually being smart. It's a great graft. Yeah. yeah. I, I do need to bring this up. I'm contractually obligated, in fact, to bring this up uh, every day until he's signed. But bring Duke Shelley home. That's all I have to yeah. say. He's out there. Make it. Yeah. Which, by and the way, crowded corner you, room. 
if you read Raiders coverage, they were also surprised. They seem upset. Yeah. They seem very perplexed so, as to why. Yeah. It's great. So pretty good. So, be into it. Yeah. So if like, if, you know, people covering the Raiders were like, yeah, Duke Shelley was cut. That makes sense. I would have just been like, that's it. He's done. You know, one year wonder. That's fantastic. I'm glad he had a good season in Minnesota. But the fact that like he apparently had a pretty good camp in a preseason, bring him in. We don't need yeah. a lucky. We Jackson. Need, yeah. We'll be all right. <laughs> Uh, one other thing with Rager that probably bears mentioning is so he he has like a 2.4 million dead cap hit or something like that with a bunch of guaranteed rookie money, but that also has offset language. So yeah, I was for about whatever to money, offsets. yeah, yeah, okay. it does. Uh, so for whatever money he signs for at his next destination, whether it's the vet minimum or I think he can, I think as we're recording this, the waivers for the day haven't processed, so that still could happen. Somebody could claim him. Um, either way, whatever money he ends up making, the Vikings will get a cap credit for that amount. Uh, up to the amount that you know they were paying. So if somebody pays right. him the full 2.4, like they claimed him, the Vikings get a cap mm-hmm. credit next year for that, so they get their money back. Uh, if they get the vet minimum, then they get a cap credit for that, and they get some of their money back. So something to yeah, keep an yeah. eye if, on. If, if, you're he, if he signs for a million, then the Vikings have 1.4 million that they're liable for, basically. Right, and then yeah. they get the other million dollars back next year. Yeah, and because that cap space is going to be used as rollover either way, it's the same. Yeah. Very good intel. Thank you, gentlemen. Luke Braun, Arif Hassan, part of the Minnesota Football Party. We'll be back on Monday talking Minnesota Vikings football. Uh, Ron Johnson will host the roundtable tomorrow with Luke Inman, Reggie Wilson, and myself. That's all at Locked On Sports Minnesota. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Of course, it is free. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Arif. Great show. Lots of news to digest. I'm Sam Ekstrom saying goodbye for today on the Minnesota Football Party. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.